House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. I'm Kevin, joined by Jason. This is the second to last episode of 2018, and we're making it an all-listener Q&A show. That's right. We are taking your phone calls. Call now at the bottom of the hour, 206. No, just kidding. We are calling this the all-email show, the all-Twitter question show. We didn't get any voice memos, um, but we put this out to the public, Jason, in part because we wanted to have an all Q&A show, but also because there's literally nothing happening in the track world before we record this on a Sunday evening. And they delivered. The listeners came through. Yeah, like almost too much, which is amazing. I love that. Uh, but yeah, it, it's good. I always love the email. So having an all email show is a good idea. And also, yeah, what else were we going to do? I, I mean, literally, what else were we going to do? There was talk of pushing the end of year awards show up one week but Mm. then that would have left us next week in the same predicament so instead we relied on all you and you guys did a fantastic job we will do that award show next week which is going to be spectacular it might come out on christmas it might come out the next day not entirely sure but just keep refreshing your feed you're going to need some motivation for your run during the holidays i'm guessing and really really well thought out track and field award banter will help you get out that door. Yeah, I, it's, I mean, well thought out. You're kind of setting the bar a little high. But yeah, at least that, that document gets bigger every year. It's kind of intimidating yeah. to try to remember. We just have to throw away some awards like we seem to do every other year. Yeah, but no one notices. Hey, look, you can say we're overselling by saying it's thought out, but nobody will have put more thought into what the worst race of the year is than us. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Some of the some of the added other categories, yeah, you're right. There's probably been some advanced math done to figure out who the best was at this or that. But certain categories, I feel like we stand alone there, Jason, in the amount of times we obsess and the amount of <laughs> takes we make about it. So I, I always love that show. It's a good way to wrap up the year. You forget sometimes all the stuff that's happened because track – and marathoning is like three seasons in one. Yep. Or four mm-hmm. even sometimes. And then there's also the random anecdotes. So we'll have that next week. But like we said, we're, we're jumping right in now to the, the listener Q&A, the listener email portion of the show. We have – how long is this – I put them all on a Google Doc and we're at 11 pages. Yeah, that's – that tells you pretty much everything right there. Yeah, so I guess we got, we got to get going here. Yeah, some of the questions are a sentence, some are multiple pages. <laughs> We're going to get to all of them here. Uh, first off, from Kyle, how many Americans will finish in the top three at a major marathon in 2018, which I think he meant 2019. So we're off to a little rough start here with the typing. <laughs> we could be more accurate if he meant 2018, though. I think we'd have a pretty good chance. <laughs> what do you got here? It's a good question. Um, so immediately you go, you go to the yeah. American marathons first yep. off because that's where most Americans run. And but you got you got rup out in the spring, right? With the with the surgery, which so that, which is which is a big hit. Um, so I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say no, no Americans are going to finish top three in London or 
Berlin, mm-hmm. um, Tokyo. I, I just don't know how many Americans even run Tokyo. Um, so, Amy Craig ran it last year. Ran pretty fast. Amy Craig, yes. yes. And Amy Craig is very good. Um, so on the women's side, I feel really strong about, you know, uh, at least one woman placing well in basically all three American races. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we got three there... Um, three three different people because he says how many Americans. Mm, that's not a how good time. I wasn't happen. really yeah. I wasn't really playing that. You know what though? I'm going to say three different because there's, the women are so deep, and it's possible okay. that you could have two in one of the races. Okay. Um. So I'm going to even it out and say say three there, and then uh, Rupp comes back. He'll get us to four, and I don't trust any other man to do it. So four. The t- top three is hard. It is. It's and very a, hard. a major. I would take the under on that. I think that's the high end. Probably. I'd probably set the line if I was setting a line like 2.5, especially because yeah. we don't know what's going to happen with people running fall marathons because the trials will be coming up. That's true. Uh, that's true. I so New York, okay about it, yeah. New York's going to be tough for people. So I'll say two. Mm. I think two is, a, two is a safe bet. I probably am underselling it. The questions at the beginning of the Q&A, very heavy on marathons. Three almost so. for sure is going to happen, right? <laughs> well yeah that goes without saying yeah, okay. uh next marathon question uh who do you want to see run this is from sarah okay who do you want to see run in the olympic marathon from the u.s not who you think will win but who you want both men's and women's teams so sarah's asking us to play favorites on the show which we do all the time so that's really not a problem um <laughs> that's okay so let's see if we go to the men's side you have galen rupp pretty straightforward one there and then of who you want to see you want to see Rupp yeah I want to see Rupp because he's actually good and okay he might be the only American man who's can really who can medal that yeah um I would say I will throw Chris Derrick in there oh interesting uh just because I still I'm still kind of high on Derrick and mm-hmm. yeah I think he could I think he could do something um and then my third <laughs> Uh, I wonder where you're going with this one. I'm going to guess. Let's see. Let's say Meb Kofleski. <laughs> this is an easy question for you to answer. Right. I mean, I could have thrown like a Bernard Lagat in there. I mean, not over Meb, but just like in general. But I kind of like that. I like Rupp as, as the, you know, the, the, the horse, the, the guy who's most likely to actually do something. Chris Derrick, possibly as a, you know, up and coming, could be, mm-hmm. could be taking a step. And then Meb because, of course. Yeah, I'd like to see, and this is going to go to a question that comes up later about who has the potential to be a top marathoner. I'd like to see someone who hasn't even run one yet okay. be on that team, a la Rupp in 2016. So someone like Leonard Career would be fun to see just because maybe they squeak in and the tri- they, they debut in the trials. They get their qualifier at a half marathon. They debut at the trials, squeak in. And then we have all sorts of expectations and hopes for them when it comes time for Tokyo. So that I would love to see that. How about Scooter? And, Scooter would be my fourth pick. Well, anybody who listens to the show, I think. Yes, immediately is, jumps is, to the top of my list. Yeah. For the women, it's tough because you're choosing between a whole bunch of people yeah. who can meddle. So then it just comes down to who do you personally like <laughs> and who do you know? Huddle. Uh, yeah. So – I mean, Flanagan would be interesting just yeah. because that meant that means that her she's still competing, which I think is a win-win for anybody who likes watching competitive running. 
it's impossible to to dislike Shalane Flanagan. Um, yeah, if you want to throw Huddle in there, but and then for that last spot, then you have to choose between Linden, Craig, Hase, and uh, of just the the you know top tier, very established names, and then you could open it up to specific fan favorites or interesting things you want to see. Maybe you want to see Gwen Jorgensen in that race. Maybe you want to see a debutante like I was talking about on the men's side. But I would probably – I'm just a sucker for like the throwback. I almost want to see the same team from 2016. Yeah. And is, that, is that boring? No, I mean it's that? not really because it's – yeah, that's like a really good squad. Yeah, the women's is certainly much harder. I, I feel pretty good about Huddle and Flanagan um, as, as the two for sure. And yeah, I mean you could pick so many uh, great women for the third spot. I mean – that's that's really Hase like you know probably has the highest ceiling of anybody else is you know right. she comes back normal and and that's that would be great but you know a big fan of Linden you know love the aggro yeah. rag I mean it's it's that's a tough pick so who, what's your final decision I will go you know I, I'll go Hase just because that means she she got back to where she was or at least close to it mm-hmm. with Linden and Flanagan uh, no, Flanagan and Huddle. Huddle Huddle yeah yeah that's okay. So so we have Flanagan the same, and then from there we're diverging. I, the thing is, I think Huddle would then just go make the ten thousand team. True. And that would make me happy too, because I'm just still counting on the big Huddle breakout. I am too, but if you're talking about if you're getting the maximum amount of people on the team, mm. if that's the goal, you just want to please everybody. Yeah. Huddle Huddle can make it in the ten, where the other women would have a much tougher time. Next, Kevin up, just going to give just crowd pleasing answers for all these. Yes, not going to yes. not going to go outside the box. <laughs> exactly. No, I I my, my honest answer would be, I think it would be cool to see Flanagan and Linden, obviously another time at the at the Olympics. Like yeah. I want to see them run that That's back. Um, they've been just such a key part of it. Then if you want to say if you want to swap out. Craig, I just feel like hasn't been healthy either. That like hasn't been in the forefront as much as as we'd expect. So that that's why I still think there's more from her, and she had that big breakout last year in Tokyo. So I don't or this year in this Tokyo. year, yeah, around two twenty one. I mean, but yeah, but I agree. So, she so, does seem kind of overlooked somehow. Right. Yeah. That's why I think that's why I think picking her uh, isn't just like okay, well, yeah, then you're gonna get the exact same results. Like there there could still be something there. She could she could still go up another level. Let's go to Aaron. Not to be confused with AA Ron. Does Cam Levins have a higher ceiling than Galen Rupp? I'm assuming he's talking about the marathon. Uh, it almost doesn't matter what he's talking about because no, that's nothing against Cam Levins. Galen Rupp's ceiling has been really really high. Yeah, this is where I'm going to not give crowd pleasing answers. <laughs> I agree. This is an easy one to answer. And Levin's could I'm be saying, really yeah. good, like, and he has been really good. I mean, that's that's not hard to say. Right. And he's been already been you know pretty good in the marathon. Um, and you know, I, I mean, I guess there's 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 always the chance that he ends up being a better marathoner than Rupp. But like, Rupp is like a top ten in the world, and you can make arguments for where he falls or there in that in that top ten. Um, having a much higher ceiling than that is is really really hard. Well, at this point, to have yeah, to have a higher ceiling than him, he'd have to. Get an Olympic medal, win a win a major marathon, drop his personal best to two oh six, 
and have a bunch of top fives in majors. That's, again, it's no slight on Levens. Most people don't have that resume. Right. <laughs> Galen Ruppes. Yeah, it's just, yeah, you, you just, you don't want to pick a whole lot of people to, as their, you know, yeah, as a 100% ceiling. Cam Levens, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, that's a possible, you know, any obviously anything's possible, and he's already been good, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't bet on that. And we still don't, I mean, Rupp might be getting better if, you know, if he comes back from this, like, he's still just kind of not too far into the marathon. Mm-hmm. Next up, we got three questions here from Mike, who, he's looking ahead already, Jace, to 2020, good. so this is fun. I like this one. First question, will Shelby Houlihan medal in 2020? Yes. Next, yes, I agree. Will what are the chances Rupp wins gold? Ooh. Okay, so Elliot Kipchoge, I'm going to assume is going to run, so that hurts. Mm, his Athletics odds. Kenya hasn't had their. <laughs> That's a fair point. Um, so I'm going to say that hurts his odds uh, tremendously. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, meddling, sure. Gold, five um, percent. So his odds, he has one in six. Is that like online? Well, that's just what he li- he wrote one one in six odds. I'm guessing that's oh, you know, he I found think that that's, from him. I think that's too generous, personally. Yeah, um, and then I say that as someone who you know uh, brushed off the idea that Cam Levins could be as good as Galen Rupp. Um, yeah, if you if you give me you know metal odds, I think that's entirely different. But you have Elliot Kipchoge. First of all, I mean that immediately knocks you down to that anyone will beat him is less than ten percent probably. I mean, just assuming nothing changes between now and then, which things could uh but then also you have rup who is very good but is also in a group with four to eight other guys who are about his level and then mm-hmm. he's going to be the one who breaks through for gold i i, I mean five percent and even that you know if you give me 20 to one i still feel like i don't i don't even feel like then i'm getting value like i feel like it would almost have to be longer odds than that i'd say it's higher than five because Who's definitively better than him in the marathon? It's just one guy, right? Okay. And that one, that one guy, the one guy is clearly better than him <laughs> by a lot. <laughs> but he's, yeah. But so you're just again, we're doing that thing where you're like betting on just Kipchoge not racing. But then you also have, I mean, how many guys are as good as him? Well, but in the marath, but in the Olympics, it's just it'll be two other guys. It'll be three guys from Kenya, three guys from Ethiopia, and a couple random people here and there. Like, he'll enter that race. If Kipchoge just, like, didn't – say the Olympics was, like, in six months and everybody was healthy and Kipchoge wasn't there, just based on Olympic rosters, there'd be – you know, his worst possible placing would be, like, sixth or seventh probably, right? I mean, you have three Kenyans, three Ethiopians. You have Farah. You have Oh, yeah, Eritrea, I forgot about that You have – I, I mean, I don't think that's worth sure. it. Sure. I would pick him probably to finish top five out of, like, you know, just because I think – he would have, you know, a good enough day to be that, but I wouldn't call him the favorite. And even in that race, non Kipchoge, I think his odds at best in, in that race are one out of one out of six. Like, I mean, what he said there, yeah, like, but, I think that's more accurate to me. Well, okay. Here's what happens. So Farah decides to run on the track cause he can win more medals. Kipchoge retires or does a breaking two attempt the morning of the Olympics. So he's like, I'm not going to run the Olympics. Ethiopia screws up with at least two of their people and just sends a guy who ran like really fast in Dubai, but maybe cut the course. So then he's on a real course and he doesn't know what to do. And then it's like Rupp and, and like Dixon Chumba. 
I like his odds, Jason. Uh, I mean, buying one in six. I guess. I mean, how many how many marathons? I mean, he he won Chicago, which was which was really cool and impressive. <laughs> it was really cool. Uh, no, I look. It, it's it's long. The odds are are long. Yeah. I'm just saying, I would probably go more than five. I go more than five, but less than fifteen. Okay, that's fair. Splitting hairs. His last question, Mike's. Uh, will Jason be one year late on his two ten prediction? I'm going to answer that and say no. Yeah, I'll probably be, be like two or three years late. I mean, it's <laughs> it's going to happen. It's just yeah, I don't. I, I probably not. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I'm like, it's going to happen randomly in like 2024 and the podcast will have been dead for some reason. And I'll just like tweet out and no one will even care anymore, but it, <laughs> no. it'll, it'll happen. Derek wants to know runner who is currently competing on the track or still in college that has the potential to be a top marathoner. Hmm. I'm assuming he's speaking of Americans, but if it was the world, be a pretty big answer so i think we should just restrict it to the united states on this one who who would you like to see who hasn't debuted yet men or women in the marathon hmm yeah that's a good good question um yeah obviously i mean you could go to the top of the ten thousand list and start there is always a a decent place to start Mm -hmm. but um emily enfeld Enfeld, i like enfeld actually that's a that's a good good call she seems just like seems like she would be a good marathoner like has that kind of vibe about it and you know i don't know there might be nothing to that um but i kind of I, I do like that um let's see I, other emily go emily sisson em- she said sisson? she's debuting too that's good yeah i'm looking at the men's list now too um oof. I mean, Garrett Paul Heath Chalima. is on here. I mean, everybody would want to Chalima would uh, would be fantastic. I mean, that would be my that would be my biggest like hope he does that. But I think he's a very long way away from that. Yeah, uh, Lopez I mean, Lamong like would be kind of interesting. I don't know. Um, range range for days. He's already he's already won a U.S. title in the fifteen hundred and the ten thousand. Exactly. That's like going. just keep moving his way up. Like I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he tries the marathon. Yeah. No, it wouldn't at all. I again going back to Leonard' career would be fascinating. He's run super fast. For the half marathon, he's run under sixty minutes. Right, that's yeah. Um, so that would be that's an immediate. That would be fun be to watch. Yeah, when you're looking at the collegiate ranks and you're like, oh, okay, let's look at the cross country results. It's kind of tough for the women because the race is six k. So yeah, most of the a lot of the top women there are like Danny Jones. She's like a miler, so that would be a very long time away. Men, I think it's easier to draw some correlations. Someone like Tyler Day at NAU, who's been like rock solid in the ten thousand. All four years, I could see him, and he's got a, a fast ten thousand meter PR too. Um, he's not just a guy who um, just kind of grinds; like he has good speed. Uh, I think he'd be interested, interesting to see in a debut down the line. But career, I think, would be career for the men and for the women's Sisson. I think are both they're very very interesting and also realistic. I can actually see that happening like i would think you know, sisson i think said she's gonna do it sometime in 2019 Enfeld, i think it's a little way, ways away yeah someone like mariel hall would be interesting i mean all those women in that bowerman group who are running five and ten they probably got to be looking at shalane and being like man i can like just and amy Craig, like i could just learn from the best like right here like i don't need to <laughs> right? i can just do what they do maybe it's intimidating maybe they do see that and they're like oh god i don't want to do that yeah, and it's yeah, especially on the women's side. I mean, it's 
you know, it's it's one thing you jump up to the marathon to either you know either you're not you're not you're competing at the five or ten, but it's like you look at especially on the women's side the gauntlet that is the women's marathon on the U.S. Mm-hmm. and you just go like, why would I subject myself to that? Like the five yeah. and ten are so much more open. Mm-hmm. Um, it would just yeah, that would seem like a really a really tough choice. I mean, you know, it's still going to happen, but, um, using the, the Mo Farah principle of running wherever you can get the most medals, you're right. Like that would be, okay, well, why would I, yeah. Why would I do that? Or run where you can make the most teams. Okay. Well, that's going to be really hard in the marathon. Yes. Yeah. Kyle writes it more marathon stuff. This is a marathon heavy at the top of the show, which top marathoners, uh, choose to run the world championship. As I'm pretty sure a marathon at midnight is what they all want to run. Who do you pick to win, male and female? Okay, so let me pull up the right. Dubai list of this year. Who ran? Yeah, that. exactly. Uh, they're running it at midnight because they're running it in this. Well, I was going to say summer, but it's <laughs> very, very late summer. Uh, some might even call it fall. Uh, you'll get some, like Edna Kiplagat's going to come back again. I feel like how many? How many? World titles is Edna Kiplak got have yeah. like 40, 49, 30, something like that. So that'd be my pick for the women. Um, Leul Gibrisolasi finished second in Dubai and first ooh. in Valencia. That just has world champion written all over it to me. Or sixth yeah. in the world championships written all over it to me. He's going to run, I think. I I like that. We'll take that. Uh, Edna Kiplak got, well, she's, she won it in 2011 and 2013, but then was silver in 2017. And fifth in 2015. So she's run at the last. Collect those medals. I love it. Yeah, she's won it. The... She's run it. Excuse me. The last four times. Yes, I like that. And then let's throw a little Gebra Selassie in there as well. Yeah, two two oh fours. He's run this year. I mean, that's only other guy to do that. Elliot Kipchoge. Ooh. Oh no, Lemma did it just barely. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> Ruin the stat, Lemma. Well, actually, he might be a good choice, too. He fifth at Dubai and first at Ljubljana. Oh, that's a good one, Jason. So there you go. That's basically if you ran, if those are the only kind of, if you're not even trying for the majors, then you're, you're in perfect. Like, okay, if I, if I win the world championships, I'll, I'll get a bigger payday. But you know, you're going to get that guy who runs 208 or something to win it because it's going to be almost certainly, yeah, all, all tactical and guys will drop out. Because they'll want to say they say they want to say that they represented their country, and then they're like, "Ah, this is not as much money as the other ones right. are." Especially because it's going to be you can't even like fake doing this one and then a fall marathon. Yeah, this is the fall marathon, hundred percent. This is after Ber- I never thought about this. This is after Berlin. Yeah, <laughs> it's bad. It's probably it's probably going to overweight. When is the twenty nineteen Chicago marathon? Let's look this up. Are these things going to overlap? 2019 Chicago Marathon. Oh, October 13th. No, but it's going to be a couple weeks apart. Yeah, right in so, between Berlin and Chicago. Yeah, but Berlin is 29th of September, so it'll be... Oh, okay, so that's ooh. late. That year. Yeah. So the marathon... I don't know which day the marathon is, but the track... Like, it's it starts right around then. So basically, it's going to be going off at the same time. Perfect, just like they drew it up. Okay. Graham wants to know, how would you rank the top 10 men's and women's marathoners globally this year or over the past decade? Not a straightforward question, obviously. Assume we're talking about who would beat whom 
very good usage there of who and whom. <laughs> in a head-to-head matchup in relatively neutral conditions, you can run it twice for paced versus championship-style race in case that impacts your rankings. He goes on to say, I ask this because it seems strange we do not have any better system for establishing a ranking among the world's best marathoners. The actual world championship event is largely ignored by the very best, except for Eddie Kipling, don't forget that, and Louis Gamber Selassie, potentially. The talent is then spread annually across six majors, which results in many of the best never racing each other due to long-term tie-ups with certain events, Kipchoge to London, Berlin, Rub to Boston, Chicago, etc. Plus, these events do not select their elite field solely based on expected finish time, but use other factors instead, uh, name recognition, nationality, recent performances, etc. In a sport that puts so much emphasis on time and measurement, this seems a bit crazy, more like boxing with its multiple belts and champions. If Kipchoge weren't so obviously dominant, it would be hard to say who the best of this era might be, probably hard to fix, but I wish IWF create... More direct comparisons, having now abandoned the idea of world rankings. Personally, I support the per, uh, the perhaps unpopular position of having more races for all distance events where all the best pile into one race, unrestricted by three-per-country rule. Why not get all the best talent together and establish a true ladder or pecking order in the marathon every so often? Impractical, maybe, but would you like to see that race? As a fan, I'd love to see how all the elites, known and unknown, stack up in a head-to-head competition. Eventually, the results would surprise many. Uh, to his second point, 100% agree. They should do, they should do that. Yeah, you've been pitching that in every event for your, for a while. Yeah, or they should do. I think Tony Revis had this idea. They should just alternate the seat. So, twenty nineteen London for the men, Boston for the women, and then the next year it switches. Right, and like you put all the elites in one. Now, does that mean if you catch the right year, you run to twenty? eight and win the boston marathon yeah but i like scooter and i want to win the boston marathon one year and i think if everybody goes to london instead um the other yeah the other solution which is tough it just it seems tough to, to sort of break the system that we have but would be yeah every year or every two years adjust the calendar so you can perhaps get a a real super bowl type situation where everybody goes make the prize money super duper high yeah have invited people that come and then also open it up to like anybody. So like some dude can pay like 50 bucks in Kenya that no one's ever heard of and like go out there and try to win the race. That'd be pretty fun. Uh, I just don't know how you do it when they can get the, the, the best people can get guaranteed money twice per year, sometimes three times per year in terms of scheduling. Like when would this race happen? It's tough. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's very tough for, yeah, pretty much all the reasons he outlined, and I can't think I could do a top ten. I, maybe I could do a top five. Um, and I'm just basically—I mean, my thought process isn't so much like, "Hey, this is who had the best 2018," but it's like in the scenario where everyone's put in a race, like who mm-hmm. do who am I betting on, kind of thing. Okay. Um, and then if you go there, well, you have Eli Kipchoge, obviously. Um. After that, it gets interesting. <laughs> then there's a lot of pavement. There's a lot of people. Um, I mean, Farah is up there for me. I, I think I think I pick Farah too, just because I he's already been very good. But also, I just still am like still like think we haven't even seen the best of Farah yet. Um, okay, and I just I, I kind of like him in that. Um, 
I mean, Rupp belongs in the top five, but I think he's going to be on the bottom half of my top. I think he'll be like fourth or fifth. Um, oh, wow. No, that's wrong, but go ahead. Hey, I just, I, I mean, obviously he's, you know, injured right now, but I, I'm going healthy. Rupp would finish top five in this race. Um, uh, I will go, um, yeah, Katata, I think, is next. And DeCisa was really good. I mean, he DNF'd in Boston, but you can't really hold that against him this year. Sure. Um, I went, I just went straight, like, almost resume. Like, if I had to come up with a ranking. Yeah. Like, if I was voting marathoner of the year, how how would I do it? Right. And it, and it was tough for the reasons that, I mean, you could tell just in how you're answering the question. You're like, oh, man, I don't know. But same thing. Yeah, Graham's like, it's not a straightforward question. Like, Kipchoge is straightforward. Then there's, a, I think there's a clear second tier just based on, okay, Farah got third in London, first in Chicago. That's good. Like, two major marathons, two top three performances, a win. Katata, second in London to Kipchoge, and then second in New York. Again. It's very good. Yeah. Two top threes, you gotta respect it. Uh, Garemu, who had a quiet-ish season because he won Dubai, which I know it's not a major, but they're in two hundred four flat, and then got second to Farah in Chicago. You got to put him in there, and then Decisa, the DNF in Boston, and then first in New York. So that would be my top five. Now, who does that leave out? Uh, Jeffrey Karui, who was second in Boston but sixth in Chicago. I mean Yuki, like in a ranking system, where do you put Yuki? I mean, I mean tough, he's. Right? I mean, I, and I love Yuki so he much. Boston. He's not in my top ten, but um, yeah. And I love that you're he, you're basically making my argument race. of my five percent odds for Rupp not <laughs> winning winning gold because you don't even have him in your top five. Well, yeah, but you had him in your top five, and you didn't have him for for uh, winning gold medal. I know because, because Eli Kipchoge exists. I'm saying you took higher odds than I did, and I put him in the top five. Yeah, because none of these five are going to be in the Olympic marathon because Kipchoge, like I said, is going to be going sub two. Farah's on the track, and then Ethiopia's not going to pick any of those guys. They're the best guys. Why would Ethiopia pick them? <laughs> Makes no sense. Karui, Yuki, Bekele. Does Bekele get any love? Sixth in London this year? I mean, he had a bad year, but I still, I mean, I, I would still be scared. I, I don't know what to think of Bekele at this point. I mean, him finishing second or third in that mystery race wouldn't surprise me but also him just yeah. dnfing at this point i don't you can't really count on him well so cam war is another guy like he wouldn't make the yearly list because yeah he ran one marathon and got third in new york but in in your in your hypothetical race i think he'd have to be somewhere in there rup i put in there and you know somewhere in that second group fifth in chicago at the 206 in prague daniel wangiru is eighth in london but fifth in new york Chamba won Tokyo, which is a major, but DNF in Chicago. And then your boy, Lil Gebra Selassie, pretty good resume. I mean, second in Dubai, then first in Valencia, basically two of the same races. Yeah. But run, you know, that was 204 twice. So the women to me are a lot more interesting because you got some brand names here for the women. Yes. Yeah. The women is, yeah, it's, it's I mean, to me, they're still a clear number one, but it's obviously not, you know, a, it's obvious as Kipchoge. Um, mm-hmm. Kitani is is the number one to me. Um, she's just I would pick her and I will pick her in every race to win until she doesn't. Um, after that, I th- I think for me it's Kitani's the clear one. Chariot Dababa are in some order two three to me. 
Um, mm-hmm. Baba didn't have the best year. Um, mm-hmm. So if you want to take, you know, cherry with there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at this, this list again and you have, yeah, Chirono and Cosguy. Um, it's, it, it seems there, there's not, I don't think this is quite as deep as like the men's side where the men is almost chaos after the first one. The women is deeper as far as just like top tier, but it, it kind of what cuts off after less than 10, I feel like. Yeah, because you had six different winners for the majors. Yeah. And it's, it, you don't have like that du- Dubai effect like you do in the men where the, the best times are all coming from Dubai and the Valencia. Like it's pretty like the best women like race seem, seem to race each other more than the best men. And that just, that's just my feeling. I don't know. I don't have the numbers in front of me to back that up, but it, it feels like they're going to the bigger man. They're not like, Oh, I'm going to go to Eindhoven, Jason's favorite city. Um, and I guess my favorite. I city. love it. Yeah. Our, this, this podcast's favorite city that we've never been to. Like, they're not doing so much of that, right? They're like going to the big races and racing each other. <clears throat> so you have a situation where you have, yeah. you know, Katani fifth in London, first in New York, Cherry first in London, second in New York, Dababa DNF in London. But I mean, she was running really, she was, if she ran that out, she'd have been fine. To, I mean, she could have finished high enough up to, in a respectable position. Uh, and then third in Berlin, Gladys Chirono ran the world lead in Berlin and was fourth in London. Cosguy was second in London, first in Chicago. Des Linden won Boston, then six in New York. Um, Dababa won Tokyo. She didn't finish Chicago. Like for the men, it was a lot more like first DNF or like second eight. Like this yeah. is, you have a lot of women who have two top five finishes in majors. Um, and you, you're right, like with Katani, and I'm not going to sit here and say Mary Katani shouldn't have been the best marathon or, or it shouldn't be ranked number one. Because I'm no longer allowed to have Mary Katani <laughs> takes that privilege was revoked. Yeah, unfortunately. But you could, you someone could make, and it won't be me, but someone could make an argument that you know Chariot or even someone like Cosguy could be in that top spot. But no, Katani, worst case scenario, no lower than three. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. Yeah, like if you just want to base it off, hey, what happened? Toronto, this, even. Yeah, what happened this year? Like you could, might be able to make the argument. Um, against Katani, sure. Uh, I just that's what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But I, I, I think if you are, yeah, I say we're in that mystical, you know, perfect race again. I, I just, you know, she might not win. It's she doesn't always win, but she usually does, and she usually does it in pretty impressive ways. When you look at this li- this list of seven right here that I just named, wouldn't that be like an awesome marathon? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and you have, yeah, you have six. Uh, not Americans, and you have Lyndon, who you know won Boston, so deserves to be mentioned, um, but may not be the best American. Like it's she's in the list with, so it's like throw you know three or four other Americans in here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Let's do and it. Just and I'm like in. it's just I mean complete <laughs> chaos and and amazing. Yeah, throw huddle crag Flanagan say and Flanagan in there, and let's go. Yeah, let's do this. this is, I'm, I'm excited. He's got like twenty million. Yeah. John is up next. He wants to know what are your greatest track related fears? Bees. No. Um I don't I, I'm not sure if the, yeah, if this is like when when I was running or yeah. if it's like my as a track fan. Um if it's track fandom, I guess it would be like 
like Wade Van Niekirk never coming back to what he was. Oh yeah, that'd be that'd, bad. that'd be that'd be very very scary. Um, <clears throat> Knocking over a historic stadium for no real reason. That would be up there. Um, I mean, obviously injuries to any of like the to the best would be brutal. I mean, you know, like a Kipchoge injury just would mm-hmm. just be super bummer. Just because he's like, like I want to see if he can ever be beaten. Like not because his body fell apart, but like just someone actually beat him. Um, yeah. Well, there'd be another thing that could happen with Kipchoge that would be even worse than that. But I'm not going to say it because I don't want. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anything in that world. Um, with, yeah. with our favorite runners also would be obviously very, very tough to take. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of something more, I guess, n- n- something not as obvious. Um, no, those are, those are good ones. Uh, I mean, if they make next year a non-championship year again, would be tough. Yeah. Just... Um, a lot of the greatest fears have come true. So it's like, you ask that question to a track fan right. and they're like, try me. Yeah. Try me. Point. It's already been done. Uh, in terms of running, I mean, I always had nightmares that my legs were like in quicksand in the last hundred meters. Yeah. Um, and then I woke up, went to the race and it turned out my legs were in quicksand <laughs> for the entire 5,000 meters. So that was the least of my worries. When we were spectating, you and I always had worries about people getting hit with a throwing implement, which yep. tragically and unfortunately has actually happened. Um, almost happened to me that uh, one time with a discus. An- a number of times. Yeah. Well, and remember we were watching at Hayward and it was skipping, like literally skipping onto the track yeah. and like, like, Hey guys, <laughs> put up a barrier. Maybe yeah, you can buy some stuff. At, yeah. Go to Jerry's hardware on Coburg road and buy something to just lay down there that the discus can hit against and not break the ankle of a 800 meter runner. Uh, yeah, that's all I can. That's all I can think. Of. I mean, bathroom issues, right? Mm-hmm. You're always worried about that. Yeah. Um, but usually it's your legs. Like, all of a sudden, you just aren't able to move them forward. That's always mine. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I'm trying to... Or missing the start, I guess. Mm. I've always, I've had, like, nightmares where I missed the start. Yeah, like, like the run time later. Yeah, just kind of... Yeah, that would that would be... Stuff that would never actually happen because you set a bunch of alarms and <laughs> right. get there it's way like too Seinfeld early. episode where, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which I think that never happened. I think that was a made-up plot, personally. But... <laughs> Brian's up next. Email or form me from Raleigh. But now from Pennsylvania. Drink. Hey, guys. The Zatapec meet down under was this past week. Stewie McSwain got the win in the men's 10K over Jack Rayner in 27.50 in apparently tough conditions. Those are the best type of conditions. Apparently tough. Right? Like That's, uh, like Rayner has had a huge back half of 2018 on the roads, including winning the Commonwealth Champs Half Marathon in 6101. I don't know if he'll debut in the marathon in 2019, but I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do when he eventually steps up. Second place finish in the women's race, uh, Sinead, it's S-I-N-E-A-D, my apologies if I got that wrong, Diver is my nomination for Overlooked Performance of the Year. Hot and windy day in October, she ran 225 at the Melbourne Marathon, making her fourth fastest Aussie over the distance at age 41 with a full-time job and two children. Wow. In a world where sub-220 is becoming more common, 225 May seem like nothing crazy, but given the conditions and circumstances, it was incredibly impressive, in my opinion. One last thing on Eurocross. Eurocross, in Julian's voice, I was wondering why Lil Britson didn't race in one of the older fields, given his incredible PRs. Apparently, one of the reporters interviewing him thought the same thing. His response was something along the lines of, I don't know, it's your rules. Why don't you ask your boss? <laughs> uh, regards, P.S. Jason, can we get a once-a-runner update? Oh, yes. Um, I've, update- uh, I've updated. I've, I've downloaded it. <laughs> 
Um, oh wow! So I have not started yet because I was just in the in the midst of uh, catching up on a couple podcasts. So I was waiting for it to, to clear those out of my queue, and then I was gonna get started. Everybody should know. We probably talked about this before. Jason takes listening to podcasts extremely seriously. It's if true. he commits to it, he listens to everything yep. from the beginning all the way to the end. Uh, I am not the same way. Uh, when he waits for his Bluetooth to connect to his car and he misses eight seconds, he will hit the back 15 seconds button to make 100%. sure. Yep. Did not – and I, I I admire that. I think you were uh, – yeah, you were like legitimately like flummoxed the first time I told you that. You're just like, wait, what? Like why are you taking – Because I don't uh, – yeah, like random I listen food to podcasts pod- so seriously. But I, yeah, it's <laughs> true. Yeah. I guess I should – take them more some i do but sometimes i fall asleep because i listen a lot of times to podcasts when i'm trying to fall asleep uh and i get up the next morning there's like eight more podcasts like new ones overnight i was like i can't go back now like there's just too many in my my podcast app um by the way we on spotify yet uh no i complete i will admit i completely forgot to do that i think it was was it silas who emailed us about that we'll get on that soon uh, if Jason doesn't, I will, because I'll have some, some time over the holidays to look into it. Um, can't be too hard, right? No, I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, I just, uh, yeah, it was yeah. one of those things where I was, I promised I was actually planning to do it, and I just... just downloading once a runner, guys. Yeah, <laughs> I can only do one thing at a time. Uh, Martin, formerly of Temple Fortune, now of Highbury. Drink. Which is amazing. <laughs> Were you not entertained? 2018... Had a change of pace with Europeans, NACAC, Commonwealth Games, etc. Lots of head-to-head races, no ducking of challenges. Do you think this would have been such an entertaining and different year if we had a World Championships again this year? For me, I love an off year. Uh, no. I, I love Martin. Uh, Martin is a, a, a track and field aficionado. Probably a little bit of a track and field hipster, too, because only then could you have this take. He travels to every World Champs, right? That was Martin. He's been like all of yes. them. So he probably just wanted a year off from traveling. That's fair, and I respect pro- that. Probably what happened. No, I mean, no, lots of head-to-head races I, in a few events, but a lot of people just shut things down super early or didn't even really start, and we don't even remember it because we just got used to not seeing them. I could name like five matchups we didn't get to see because there was no world champs. Yeah, and we had some, you know, some of the really, really great college runners just kind of stop their season when things yeah. were even getting more interesting for them. I mean, they already put up sure. amazing performances, but then we didn't get to see them really compete against anyone that we would have wanted to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I get it, you know, like you, you try to, you know, be happy with the off year. And then there are some, some fun and interesting things that come out of it that we would not have gotten, but I, I can't say it would have, would have been better. Euros was solid. I'll give him that. Euros was fine. Knack, I can, I mean, no one's going to remember anything out of that at all um diamond league finals were kind of fun like those last couple meets saved us with that crazy men's 5000 um and you had consensus kipruchi with one shoe in the steeple like there were some cool little moments but i don't think i think that stuff still could have happened with a global championship at the end i mean can you imagine if mike norman ran all summer what we would have seen from him, yeah. I or mean, Sidney McLaughlin, exactly. I mean, and those are the first two that came came to mind. Um, yeah, yeah. Mike Z writes in: ideas to make track and field road racing more popular or more mainstream. Is it promoting personalities, getting youth involved? 
Will young stars in the pole vault and hurdles make those events more popular? Uh, to answer his last question first, yes, probably. It will make those events more popular. Yeah. Uh, was it Otto who said, like, the event doesn't matter with Sydney? Like, she'll just make whatever event she's in will become a an event because the 400 didn't used to be an event until Michael Johnson ran it and then it became right an event. My radical idea, which has been my radical idea in the entire time we've pretty much had this podcast is the only way you really move this forward is you get the best people to run frequently against one another numerous times a year. Yeah. And you keep doing it and you keep doing it and keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it. I think missed an opportunity with Bolt. I think there was something there that definitely could have been capitalized upon that wasn't past that. I mean, we've seen all this stuff now we've been doing the show long enough to see all the ideas, you know, cycle through (laughs) of all these different concepts and see which ones register more than others. And I think it just gets back to the very basic foundations of the sport of, you know, if you want it to be more popular, you have to get the best people to, to compete often, which means you need to, dump a bunch of money in and it probably means cutting out some things too, right? Like, which is tough because that's the base. That's both the fan base and the spectator base at a lot of these meets is, oh yeah, because there's other, you know, there's all these other heats and all these other races. So it may not even work. It may actually have a negative impact, but I think that's the best, the best shot is just getting the best people to compete way more than they already are. Yes. I I mean, I definitely agree with that. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, it's never going to be mainstream, obviously. I I just think that, you know, we have to give up that dream that Dragonfield's going to be like a major, major sport in the U.S. at least. Uh, It's just, I don't think that's ever going to happen, but it doesn't mean we can't improve it and like grow the, grow the audience. And I, yeah, I think having the biggest, you know, athletes run more often and, and yeah, the, the, you know, really great young athletes is is pretty much always the best way to get people Mm -hmm. interested uh ray writes in when i took two of mike z's strava segments the aforementioned mike z in one run great running accomplishment or greatest running accomplishment (laughs) wow just right right after that's tough 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 uh joe p writes in i was at slate political gab fest conundrum show last week and one of the conundrums they did was if you had to pick an athlete to compete in a game, but you don't know what sport, uh, what the sport is, excuse me, until after you pick the athlete, who would you pick? The consensus was LeBron. So who would you pick, LeBron or the obvious choice, Ashton Eaton? <laughs> yeah, Ashton Eaton. I mean, how do you uh, how do you argue with that? I guess, I guess he's not a world record holder anymore, though. So, but he's not. Uh, I like to think Joe P was sitting uh, at this event. And everybody's saying LeBron. He's just like, you guys, no, no, no. There's this guy. I think here's my here's a new LeBron opinion. I think people definitely overrate LeBron's speed. Yeah. And and obviously Eaton is fast by like any circumstance. Yes. But but I think people in general people always say well, LeBron's fast for somebody his size, which is a hundred percent true. Hundred percent true. But in this conundrum if the sport is something that really relies on speed, uh, he's going to be in a tough spot and his size in general, right? Like everybody likes to talk about how, I mean, if you put him at midfield in a soccer game, 
I know we all saw him work out and do those layups back and forth, and everyone decided he was a sub five minute miler. But like Eaton, Eaton was a stud fifteen hundred meter runner. Um, so if you get something and that requires, yeah, but I'm saying if you get something that requires, I mean, what what if the sport's cross country skiing? Right, you're really not going to take like, um, so Eaton has Eaton has that, and there's a lot. It's just being six eight. I was just going to say six eight six nine two seventy is going to hurt you in some sports. It's not. It's not advantageous. Like you could put Eaton in any sport, like, and you could find a spot for. Like in football, sure, LeBron would be better in a in a lot of spots. But you could like line Eaton up to the outside, and like it wouldn't be like the difference there between him and LeBron uh, wouldn't be as great as it would be between Eaton, like Eaton in one of his stronger sports, and then LeBron, right? Like. He could Eaton could blend into a lot of things. LeBron, uh, not as much just because of his size. And yeah, LeBron's obviously a great athlete, but like we've only really seen him play one sport. And I've known people who are really great at one sport and then seen them play other sports and be kind of shocked, like that they just don't really have. Like yeah, we've yeah. seen Eaton do what takes like what are the the essentials of most sports like across the mm-hmm. board. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I mean, of course LeBron's going to be better at a few of the things, but I think overall, yeah, you're, you're better off with an Eaton or even like, I mean, you know, some other, if you, if you want to go with NBA player, you know, a guy who, I thought you were going to say Kevin Mayer, the real, right? I, mean, well, there you go. I mean, Kevin Mayer's a, a possibility for sure, but another, you know, I mean, some of those guys who have been multi-sport athletes, um, mm-hmm. coming up, you know, I mean, I just, you have what the, uh, Russell Wilson. I mean, he was drafted by baseball and football. Yeah, and, you know, like guys who have done like multiple. And you you know that stuff translates across the board. Like, yeah, they're not the specimen LeBron is because almost nobody is. But like yeah. the the versatility, I think, is more important. Like a Bo Jackson type person. I mean, Bo Jackson. If you got if you could pick prime anybody, it's Bo Jackson. Yeah, I think that's well because he was big. He was big, but he wasn't out. And he was probably what outrageous. Yeah, he was six six one maybe. I mean, he, I don't think he was like a. Yeah, he's a running back, so I mean, yeah. those guys aren't guys aren't that big. Yeah, but it's not as much as people like to say. It's LeBron on everything. It's just it's not. I and mean, basketball of all sports, basketball is such a specific like it requires such a specific set of skills, and it's played in such a tightly confined space that I. I, I think some some of this this stuff there is and it's it's such a herky jerky stop and go type of thing. Mm. Um, it, I mean, in a way of baseball, right? Like, so like baseball is so specialized. Like that would be really hard for Eaton to to like blend in um, until he like someone hits a ball to center field and just like rockets the ball back home with like javelin like precision. Um, <laughs> but it's like you know it's 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 just it's tough. It's not like. Being a, a really great, you know, you don't need to be a, a really great runner or jumper or anything like that. Like you can find other parts of that. Like technically, basketball is um, pretty pretty unique. I would I would say, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it's you know, yeah. I mean, I think out of football, you know, the the major U.S. sports, like I think basketball, you're most likely to find the best athlete in basketball. Just like, I mean, I know you, baseball, you barely consider a sport. Um, 
football. No, big time Cubs fan. Big time Cubs. Yeah, fan. that's true. Yeah, you, yeah, you've you've grown into a big Cubs slash Dodgers fan. Um, football is winter meetings, man. Football so specific to your own position, like like it's such a specific skill. Well, yeah, if you're to, a quarterback or something. But I'm saying if you're like a receiver or. But even then, um, it's, I mean, it's a cornerback. But it's just basics. But that's like real speed, like basketball. Like it's. I mean, it's 94 feet, right? And there's a stoppage of play, like, what, every, what'd you say? Two, like, very rarely is there two minutes of uninterrupted basketball. And, and there's literally right? never more than 10 seconds of uninterrupted football. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, say you catch the, so say the ball, this is really great podcasting, by the way, for any of you up-and-comers out there. I mean, say, say, you, say you catch the ball uh, and run it for 50 yards, right? At least then you're like, okay, that person is... Right, or kickoff. Like you're measuring some degree of speed and, and ability to be elusive. Like just because it's I'm saying it just because it's played on like a larger space. Like that's the that's my only argument for football over basketball in this context. Um not 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 the duration. The du- the duration you're absolutely right. Like it, it is very stop and go. But like every time going off the line, like you're going you're exploding at full speed pretty much if you're a wide receiver, right? Or you're blocking, basically. Whereas basketball, just so, it's so much more controlled, I think, unless you're Russell Westbrook or John Wall, and then you're just barreling down the court. Yeah, I just I think and it takes more like anaerobic. Like basketball will get, I think, is way more exhausting than football will ever be. Like, yeah, no, I wasn't saying one wasn't more tiring than the other. I'm just saying that 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 the skills needed to um, succeed are like hyper hyper specific. I feel like in 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 basketball. See, and I feel like it's um, the opposite. I feel like it's more in football. Well, here's the here's the thing, right? Like basketball, you can do that whole thing, like you change your game and still be relevant, right? Uh, Michael Jordan developed the post game and could still be relevant. I feel like in football, with, with like especially the skill positions, quarterbacks just different because it's like a whole different animal. Like you kind of just still have to have those basic like fundamental, like you have to be fast and you have to be able to jump high and you have to be able to um, like hit, you know, be strong and hit hard. Like, I feel like th- there's a few more workarounds in basketball just because technical, like Michael Jordan turned into such a technical genius with what he was doing. He was able to continue in the league, even though his, he was not what he was before, which was obviously starting from a much higher point than everybody else. Basically, I just put a Michael Jordan analogy in there to hope in hopes that you'd agree with me. And I mean, I, feel like I, I, won that. I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but I still, I still disagree. I, but that's, you know, that's all right. But I mean, how many wide receivers are like I'm going to change my game up so I can stay in the league? But like, like I, you I see, like, like 35 year old wide receivers, I guarantee they're not half as fast as they were when they were 23. It's well, they're you get not a better route runner. You get, you get, you smarter. You, I mean, it's the same. It's exactly the same thing. You just become a smarter football player. But it, don't, but like. Football is more just like raw, like athleticism. Wouldn't you agree? I feel like it is. Like not really. No, I think. I mean, I think I, th- I would say that the most important thing like a wide receiver can do is like be a good route runner. Like, yeah, it's great to be able to be the fastest guy on the field, but like there are fast guys who get drafted who just end up being nothing all the time. Like, well, I, yes, I, I Jerry see Rice that, wasn't but the I just... fastest receiver all time. He was the best route runner of all time. Like at at the younger level, though. Like at the introductory level, like kids, like well, never mind. We'll say this for another time. <laughs> it's gonna go down a different path. Yeah. Justin from Denver, 
Uh, all the marathon majors are in the Northern Hemisphere. If the it, it is true, the vast majority of humanity lives in said hemisphere. So it makes sense that most are there, but not all of them. So if you were to take one major and move it south of the equator, which one would you move and to where? I take the Chicago. Is it the least prestigious of the three in America and move it to South Africa, seeing uh, the they have the most important road ultra in the world and thus have shown the ability to pull for a big race? I say this grudgingly, though, because I think the Pilsen neighborhood in Chicago has a good chance to make a comeback <laughs> in the 2019 marathon. I don't see a way to relocate an entire neighborhood to a different <laughs> continent. <laughs> That's Justin in Denver. That's it's a fair point. Um, Move Tokyo first of all. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, Tokyo was my first thought too. But I mean, then you have the fact that you have three American, you know, U.S. marathons, and you know, the Tokyo's mm-hmm. on its own is is in you know the Asian uh, way. Mm-hmm. So as I, I get you know as much as I love Chicago, like I, I think that makes sense to move to move Chicago, even though Tokyo Tokyo I would say is the wow. least prestigious of the majors. Jason, selling out Chicago, not recognizing the pure athleticism required for football. This has been a strong last couple minutes. Uh, Steeltown, Steeltown runner, formerly from Pittsburgh, now from New York City. Jason, just derelict in his duty. No, I'm I'm sorry. I was reading ahead. I apologize. Well, we got two from from him. First one, he's bringing our attention to uh, a gentleman by the name of Gene Dykes, who broke the world marathon record. For the over seventy age group, um, the record used to be two fifty four forty eight. This is for how Mr. far? Dykes. <laughs> Marathon. Uh, Mr. Dykes ran two fifty seven forty three. Oh wait, hold on. No, no, he ran that at, in Rotterdam. Excuse me. I'm reading an e- email that he passed along from a friend here. So what did he actually run? He ran. Oh, he ran two fifty four twenty three. Oh, there we go. Okay. Sorry, my apologies. Um, so breaking Whitlock's record, Ed Whitlock ran 254.49. So he broke it by uh, about 25 seconds. So, man, Ed Whitlock was a legend. Passed away last year. So s- someone's already gunning for his records. Uh, I've never run 254. Doing uh, that I at 70, 70 is so insane. Yeah. Uh, we got another one from him. Steeltown runner, that is. He says, well, I typically don't share ultra... Uh, American or world records, even one of note to you folks. I was inspired to share the following uh, record-setting performance a week ago by 237 marathoner and 2017 Comrades champion uh, Camilla Heron, especially after some pushback from some other pod listeners about the perceived too quirky slash niche to be interesting event. Also, I know you're all a bit bored and looking for material while waiting for indoors. No, we are not bored. That's why Jason and I <laughs> decided to talk about jerry rice being a great route runner without going into all the reasons why ultras in general and fixed time events goal to accumulate the most distance possible in a set amount of time in particular can be compelling to run spectate i will briefly note that there are many events that have been slow to mature uh women's marathon steeple even the 10,000 who saw in rio that are still no less exciting to watch than long established competitive events like the sprints and other field events which to be honest i still have trouble relating to the current men's 24-hour world record of 188.xx miles. Well, you got to get specific. <laughs> I mean, if you run 20, someone could come along and run pretty close. It was 303 kilometers. is held by the Greek god of ultra running, Giannis Atekakumpo. Yeah, no, I say Giannis that's the famous Kouros. Giannis I know. Uh, Giannis Giannis Kouros, Giannis with a Y, not a G. Uh, he was a mediocre marathoner with a 224 best. No one is within. 
whiffing distance. He owns almost all top 10 performances, second best uh, nearly 10 miles shy. Uh, he says, we have yet to see a woman of Kuros's ability in 24 hours, though globally we are in a bit of a golden age of women's 24-hour racing. We're certainly on a gender basis. They're outperforming men. It is true that many of the top ultra runners, male ultra runners at the moment, are competing on trails, but frequently that talent doesn't translate to 24 hours. Uh, he goes on to say, last week at the Desert Solstice 24-hour track invitational, uh, Heron paced herself to over 170 miles at the start in spite of a 13-25 100-mile split. So I'm guessing that's 13 hours yes. and 25 minutes. She split the 100-mile. Still managed to hang on for dear life to 162.919 miles. Wait, so she did – okay, so she did 100 miles in 13 hours. And then in the remaining 11 or 10 hours and change, she ran – 62 miles. Okay. Uh, an incredible debut. She had two other attempts where she retired 12 hours or sooner. Uh, in doing so, she also won the race overall. This, in what I believe was the first time, uh, time five runners topped 150 miles in a single U.S. 24-hour race. Three men vying for spots on the U.S. 24-hour team literally went down to the very wire, all running nearly perfect races and running personal bests, mostly by narrow margins, finishing within a half mile of one another. Um, that is a Steel Town runner. Uh, it's a lot of information. I that is also very. You, imp- you got some hundred mile splits. Yeah, it's very impressive information. At the same time, I don't like. I I can't put it in context. It's like one of those things when people start talking about like how big things or how far away things are in space, and they like tell you like, <laughs> oh, it's like imagine the world's a grain of sand, and then this is the you know, and you're just like, I get like what you're saying and how big and crazy that is, but I also mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. mind doesn't let it work that way. Like I can't fully grasp that, even though I'm, I'm blown away by these performances. I like that. There's like sub genres too. There's like most people are on the focusing on the trail. So the road ultra is being neglected. Yeah. Like the niche inside or the niche inside the niche. Uh, Julian on a related note followed up with uh, true or false. Ultra running is not much more competitive than your local jingle jog because the best ultra marathoners in the world are not running ultras. They're running marathons where they can make some money. Uh, we've touched on this topic before, Julian, with the fire I mean, there. Uh, yeah, I think, I think when you get up into the realm of like twenty four hours, I don't know if Kipchoge would be great. We'll just use Kipchoge or Katani as a as a stand in here, right? I don't know if they'd be great at twenty four hours. I do because that's 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 so much longer, right? Like that's a whole different subset. But if Kipchoge was in a fifty k, so if he just had to run thirty one miles, you better believe he'd be fine. I would think even 50 miles with a little, a few adjustments to his training, I think he would be okay. Now, are Kipchoge and, and people from um, East Africa going to dominate 24-hour racing the way they dominate marathoning? I, I don't know. Yeah, probably. Um, but I also – but we're also not really going to find out um, – until there's like a big influx of money or the, the incentives are greater to go and run those races or at least equal to than they are in traditional marathons. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's fair. Like there, there is a possibility that Kipchoge wouldn't translate to 24 hours, even though I, I think he would obliterate every record between the marathon and, just take and 24 hours. Just take yeah. That's the thing is like, he literally is that much faster. And so say Kipchoge is not, but if you want to, Let's throw the ten best Ethiopian and Kenyan runners in there, 
five of them are going to be great at it, minimum, and and they'll. But there might be something that makes them sure. But there might be something that makes them really good at twenty six point two that makes them not as good at twenty. You know, for uh, for twenty four hours, right? Even if it's like you're talking about like body fat, like level, right? Right? Because if you're going like there might there just might be something quirky, and that's such a big big difference. But in general. When the world, the whole world does something, like the whole world runs marathons, they're always better when the world does it than when one small portion of the world does something. Right. That's not, it's not a controversial. Well, maybe, yeah. And maybe it's some other random country who would be dominating ultras if they weren't doing that. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, (laughs) I think it's, it's probably true that, man, that's not, (laughs) that doesn't necessarily make it, uh, I think it still makes ultras slightly more competitive than jingle jogs. Um, but yeah, odds are the best app. The absolute, but I think that's the case with basically every sport is the best athletes are split up and they're doing, I mean, I know this is within its own sport, but like, well, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the, you could even say the hundred meters is way different than the, the hundred mile, right? Like, no, you, for you sure. Could, I'm saying even in general, yeah. like there's, I mean, is there, there are decent odds that the greatest baseball player ever just never played baseball like the guy who would have been the greatest ever or or football or basketball or whatever it is like it's it's just just a numbers game where man so many more people haven't tried most sports than who have and dedicated time to it um i don't know yeah it's just a percentage thing right like that's the more people have come across let's get back to talking about basketball and football right (laughs) more people have come across you know and and had the ability to try their hand at basketball, football, as opposed to water polo or, you know, whatever. Right. right. Like that's just, so no, we don't, not literally, not, everybody hasn't fully attempted basketball, but, but a much higher amount has. And I think that's, that's obviously the case here. And then it becomes self-perpetuating, right? Because then the money involved makes it more prominent. And then it that just feeds on itself. So then its influence grows and grows and grows and grows to the point where I, I'm in the minority. Like I think the hundred, like the hundred meters of the Olympics, like that's a pretty good gauge of like who the fastest. Like when they say this is for the who's the fastest man, fastest woman on earth. Like I think that's pretty close. I mean, I think it's, I think you're right. I think it's pretty close. I mean, and it and it could absolutely like the odds are even probably pretty good that Usain Bolt's the fastest man who's ever lived like I, I think that's very likely but like yeah. i don't think you can throw out the possibility that there's like some dude out there who just never even attempted it and you know with any modicum of training would a- was actually slightly faster i mean who knows mm-hmm. all right we got to keep this moving yeah we gotta get to everybody uh let's go to ward from belgium love it he says minor addition to the streets ahead discussion from last episode okay. In the Dutch-speaking side of Belgium, we use the idiom, oh man, in straat voorliegen. That's pretty good. Ward, let, let me know if I nailed that one. Lying a street ahead to signify having a significant lead on someone. I do not know whether the people in the Netherlands use it too. I have not seen community, <laughs> but to me, this clearly signifies the writers being influenced by us. I think we should, can we start using this? I'm going with it. Like, I mean, it sounds, okay. it, I mean, on the surface, it sounds like a Jasonism where I said something stupid that just come out of my mouth, but it, you know, this one actually has backing to it. I mean, we used to say got walked in high school. That, that was that a, thing. a thing. That became a thing, right? 
Oh yeah, like not you're instead of saying oh she she beat him or he beat him or he outkicked him, it was like you got walked by somebody. You got walked down. Uh, as for Eindhoven, I have been there once for a conference. The most special thing to see at the time was a roundabout for bikes that hung in the air. What? Conclude from that what you will. <laughs> now knowing that Sifan Hassan is associated with Eindhoven, I am sure she will get a statue there eventually. Clearly enough reason to drop by for a visit. Finally, I started consistently listening to you guys through my podcast app six to 12 months ago and realized that it might be the first time I've actually opened the website and paid attention. I know it's your homepage says the fastest running podcast online being the fastest runners with the podcast might be tricky. There's some blazing fast guys in the inside running podcast in the spirit of end of year awards. What categories are you guys confident to claim the fastest in keep up the good work? That is Ward. Yeah, that's a well, that's a triple entendre, but none of the aforementioned entendres are uh, related to us running fast. So yeah, it was more of a play on fast. words than anything, right? Yeah, like longest running, um, fat, and then fastest running, meaning we're talking about the fastest running, like professionals. Yeah, and others, other super fast people. Uh, and then the third level there. You're a comedian, Jason. You know how you always have to explain jokes. It's, it's makes them funnier. How you know you nailed it. Uh, Jason and I talk really fast. That, in particular, Jason. Yes, in particular, me for sure. Uh, there you go. And Jason has sent me something in the chat. Is this? Uh, this is the. Oh, is this the picture? Roundabout yeah, yeah, yeah. This is I, fantastic. I, I googled it. It looks amazing. We're going to. I, know I love it. I like, this, I like this place more and more every time I see it. Tell Tell Johnny football. We're in going. Belgian, uh, I mean, like that's. I want to go to Belgium really bad because first of all, they have the best beer in the world. Um, Belgian beers are the, by far the best. And one of the best Diamond League meets. Speaking of Belgium, uh, Laura wants to know, has Jason seen this clip about Imbruges from this year? I absolutely have, um, only because you sent it to me, and it was about three hours ago. Uh, loved it. Yeah, it was, <laughs> and it's from this year? That seems weird, because it's like, you know, interviewing Colin Farrell and uh, blanking on his name, Matt-Eye Moody, who was also in the movie. Um, basically, just, you know, kind of going through some of the parts and talking about it, and yeah, it's a great, great movie, as long as your friends and listeners don't tell you that it's something that it's not. <laughs> uh, let's go to... Oh, so we'll do a couple plugs here. Uh, Aaron from Canada, he was uh, on Facebook and he saw this video of these two guys who are recapping 2018 in in Canadian running. I just want to mention it so people can find it. They do it to the tune of a Jason Mraz song, uh, and it's wonderful. Do you have it open? Can we give the guys names so people can YouTube it? Oh, yeah. I'll Um, open it up right here. If they want to to watch it. Oh, see? Yeah. It it, it is funny. Uh, Um, There's a... uh, Reference to uh, a lot of Cam Levin's talk, so it's good. Yeah, it was published by Alex towards the, towards the end. C Y R Seer, I don't know. Okay, um, but uh, and it's what, what what's it oh, called? Oh, here we go. Nick the Falk and Alex Seer, uh, and it's running recap okay. of 2018, and it's uh, two awesome. guys who yeah sound a, a pretty good amount like Jason Mraz, and uh, yeah, it's it's I I only heard the beginning because I I didn't see this before um, until right before we started, but I was I was really enjoying it. Yeah, they're really good singers. Yeah. I, and, and it was funny, too. They have a Commonwealth Games joke, too. Uh, speaking of things you should watch, Cranston passes along an ad that he saw on a flight to Hong Kong. And it's a ha- ad for, was it Standard Char- Charter? What's that thing called? It's, a, it's the sponsor of stuff in Dubai. It's a bank. Whatever. It's got Usain Bolt in it. Can you break down the ad for us? Yeah, it's, it's really well done. Um, it's basically, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I watched it 
I don't know, yesterday, day before. And it's, you know, it's starting off Usain Bolt walking out of a tunnel and like the dream race we've all been waiting for. And then it just kind of goes lane by lane. You know, Jesse Owens, um, Calvin Smith, Usain Bolt, uh, Carl Lewis, like, you know, just basically the dream, yeah. dream hundred. Um, Leroy Burrell is in here. Um, and, you know, we got, we got some auto announcing in the background here. Um, we got a Safa Powell who's going to finish seventh in this race. Um, <laughs> Is lane one open? That was my uh, problem. Lane it. eight is open. Apparently, uh, they just showed okay, it real quick. So you go, you go, going from one to seven. You got Jesse Owens, Leroy Burrell, Maurice Green, Usain Bolt, Asafa Powell, Carl Lewis, and Calvin Smith. So who would who would you round that up the top eight with? Who would be your eighth? Oh man, That's a tough choice. Donovan Bailey. Hmm? I mean, I'm just thinking of I'm thinking of like Olympic champs, right? There's probably someone from back in the day who I'm not thinking about, but Donovan would be good. I mean, maybe throw a current guy in there. I would say Col- Coleman Christian in there Coleman? or something like that. Yeah, just for fun. <laughs> just, you, don't, you don't leave it open. That's like, true. Yeah. All time, you have literally every year <laughs> to choose from. There should not be an open lane. Yeah, that's it's fair. And it's, yeah, I think you could, you know, hey, throw Otto in there. Why not? It's He's, he's oh, still yeah. like an ambassador for the sport, so I feel like he's earned lane eight. Um it, yeah, it was just really well done. Like, and it, it, like the way they tie it together, it does look like they're all like on the track together. You know, kind of mm-hmm. like there was the, my, one of my favorite commercials of all time was this NBA commercial they did a few years back during like Christmas, where it was um, blending. It's literally if you go if you uh, on YouTube go greatest NBA commercial ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's basically the same kind of thing where it kind of merges um, all of these you know, the old, but the new and all this stuff. And it's, it's extremely well done along with a, a, a great song as well. I don't know if I've, I've probably talked about it on the show because I, I just enjoy it that much. Is that the commercial where they talk about Jerry Rice route running being <laughs> as impressive as Michael Jordan, completely revolutionizing <laughs> his game? Absolutely. It's the same thing. Even though he can't really jump anymore. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, another one from Cranston here. Couldn't help but notice a glaring omission in your Liam rankings. Where was Australian major league pitcher Liam Hendricks? Hmm. Though not the songwriter that Gallagher is, he's surely equal of whoever that second tier Hemsworth. <laughs> After all, he was the opener in the AL wildcard game this year. That didn't go well, but my favorite Liam Hendricks story is from April 25th, 2012. You know this guy, right? You I, know I do Hendricks? know Liam Hendricks, yeah. Okay. Not as good as Kyle Hendricks, though. He's behind on the Hendricks <laughs> rankings as well. No, Jim, Jimmy is far, far ahead of everybody. True, else. but Kyle's uh, right up there. That's the. Oh, the Cubs pitcher? pitcher? He he pitched a gem oh, to send the Cubs to the World Series guy. and you know had the he was he was the ERA champ a couple years ago. He's very okay, good player. Okay, enough. All right, enough, enough. All right. Uh he was a scheduled starter for the Twins against the Red Sox in Boston's awful last place season uh under manager Bobby Valentine, inventor of the sandwich wrap. Valentine posted his lineup and then met with the press, who wondered if perhaps lefty slugger David Ortiz was injured since he wasn't starting against the righty Hendricks. It quickly became clear that the reason Ortiz wasn't in the lineup was because Valentine thought Hendricks was a lefty. Valentine added Ortiz to the lineup. The Red Sox won the game and swept the series, but later fell apart, finishing 69-93 and in last place and with the club's worst record since 1965. Valentine was fired after the end of the season, replaced by John Farrell, and the Red Sox won the World Series the following year. Keep an eye on Perth native Liam Hendricks. He's from the same country... Uh, as John Landy, read the perfect mile, Jason. Here's a classic passage from that book on Landy, who was known around the world for his intense training. Um, that is from Cranston. I'll read this passage to you now, Jason, Please. to fire you up so that way you can read it um, or get it read to you. He says, 
Uh, it says, and this is by uh, Neil Bascombe. It's a fantastic book. One September night at 2 a.m., John Landy was running alone along the Dandegong River. The sodium vapor lights above the road were nearly lost in the fog and cast an eerie orange glow on the pavement. Landy was ascending a straight uphill stretch on the road when he saw a pair of headlights coming toward him. The car was swerving left and right, the driver obviously drunk. Landy slowed down or slowed a little and waited for the car to pass when suddenly it stopped a few feet ahead of him. Although Landy made a habit of running this road, he understood that most people would be suspicious seeing someone along the road in the middle of the night. Apparently, this driver was one of them. He rolled down the window, and Landy stepped up to the side of the car. Who do you think you are, mate? The inebriated driver asked. Bloody Landy? <laughs> that's good. Merry Christmas from Kathmandu. Uh, that is Kranz. That's very good. That's, 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 man, that's a good sell. I'm, I mean, I've already got my next one lined up, though, guys. You've got to give me some time here I, to read slash listen to these books. We, we actually had a conversation with with Cranston via text about this, uh, about when, can, mm-hmm. you, you know, can I say I'm reading this book if I'm doing the audiobook? Yeah, I sat that one out just because I think I've had that one with you before. I don't, <laughs> I actually don't remember where you came down on that. Uh, cause saying I listened to the book, I mean, it's not like, I don't No, I think it's fine. I, I mean, I, I think, think there's it's no fine. difference because it's just, you're getting the, exactly the same information and yeah, way. yeah, I don't, um, and for me a better way because I just don't, uh, retain things as well when i read them as, as opposed to when yeah there's audio there's audio learners there's visual yeah. learners, just saying, learners. Listen, i, I mean, mean listening to that book just sounds weird so or i've I listened to that yeah well because i'm the complete well opposite at least with bo- books is tough for me obviously i can retain stuff with with you know podcasts and, and things like that but so yeah if that's the best way to get it then then that's fine just make sure you listen to it though that's what you well yeah do. that's I mean, um we got Steve here from Dorset, formerly from Herefordshire, UK. Just another nod to the majestic Liam Brady from someone <laughs> whose middle name is Liam after the great man. Oh, he's oh, named wow. after Liam okay. Brady. Respect. Wow. I also have a good friend called Liam who was named after Liam Brady, so it shows the impact he had on football, soccer, fans in the late 80s. Here's a poor quality video of one of his finest goals against our arch rival Spurs, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, a while ago, you mentioned about listening to podcasts at a quicker speed, and I have been listening to all my podcasts at two times speed for the past year. Oh. When you read the emails, it can be a bit hard to understand. Well, this episode's been great for you, Steve. <laughs> uh, with the speed you read them, but I'd otherwise recommend to all your listeners uh, for pod- for all podcasts, not just House of Run. Even the songs sound good at double speed. Uh, I saw McFarlane USA the other day and really enjoyed it. I've also seen Without Limits. What else are must-see films? Mm. That is Steve. It's a great question. First of all, no idea how you do the two two times speed thing. I've I've dabbled in even the one and a half times, and I just don't like it. Like I my 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 brain rejects mm-hmm. it. I don't know. It's it's I can't I can't do it. But I I kind of wish I could because then I could you know down twice as many podcasts mm-hmm. and audiobooks. Um, <laughs> as far as must see films, well, I mean we have a few that were in our uh, our in our, in our intro song, but um, I'm trying to think like like really great. I mean you saw without limits, so. Fantastic, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, I mean, there's Prefontaine. I would say watch Prefontaine just to get the comparison to Without Limits. It's it's got good moments, but it's not quite the same. It's not it's not as good. Um, what else? What else jumps up for you? Let's see. I mean, if you want to go full on and pretty, you could do the documentary Fire on the Fire Track. On the track. Yeah. Um, he's from the UK, so he probably isn't familiar with this movie called Chariots of Fire, <laughs> which is a pretty pretty well known film. 
Let's, but he probably just, is familiar with just, fast girls, so that yeah. I was gonna say let's just jump into the bad ones. So there's running with Michael Douglas. Yep. Find it on YouTube. Uh, kind watch of entertaining, it. like not good, but kind of entertaining. Ooh, Jericho Mile. Jericho Mile across the tracks. Brad yep. Pitt, Rick Schroeder. Uh, all of these are just completely terrible, but you should watch them. Um, I'm trying to think what. There has to be another running movie. Maybe there isn't. <laughs> this this Liam <laughs> Brady the... goal was pretty impressive, actually. I, I enjoyed okay. it. Okay. Well, we'll leave it. Bend we'll it we'll like leave it. There. I mean, that was, yeah. He he did that first. That's, That's what, what he uh, said, yeah, other... which, I mean, it's impressive. Uh, let's go to Thomas, the high school runner from York, Pennsylvania. Uh, he's got two here, one from last week where he was recapping the shocking and not shocking. He said Sidney Massarelli won the girls' Foot Locker championship this weekend in similar fashion to the USC women's 4x4 this past spring. Why is this shocking? This is her first year running cross, but that's not as shocking as Philip Ingebrigtsen winning Eurocross championship title. What's that? Another surprise that happened? Jacob Ingebrigtsen won Eurocross <laughs> title. Shocking. See where I'm going with this. Um, biggest upset from the IWF award, and that would be that Mondo won the Rising Star, Star Award. Uh, he says, I think if Eurocross happened before the award ceremony, then Lil Britson wins that award. Uh, now for the most shocking upset that has happened in the entire world this year. IWF after the year was Kipchoge. Beat out some competition uh, in Kevin Mayer. And Samba, but hey, fair play to him. Can we pay our respects to the pride of the French runner who tried to do a knee slide across the finish line? That went about as smooth as Shawnee Miller-Webo's path to the IWF Athlete of the Year. Ouch. Uh, now onto this week's challenge. I challenge you to come up with the athlete, an event that could have a world record broken on the track this year for feeling really lucky. Challenge you to pick the time, run, jumped, or thrown. Have a great rest of your week. Um, he says, oh yeah, Katarina Bargwin won Female Athlete of the Year, but that shocked no one. Um World record. I mean, Sydney. I mean, I could just go. Sydney, uh, Rye Benjamin or Ab- Abdurrahman Sam on the four hurdles. Christian Taylor again on the trip. I mean, the triple is still always out there. The women's. I mean, the women's steeple just got broken, but it got broken by just an ungodly amount. Yeah, it's that's tough yeah. To see that going down again. Um, pole vault. Yeah. Men's pole vault. I mean, Mondo, Mondo could definitely do it again. There's a lot of good, good possibilities. Um, I mean, Van Niekerk coming back. It's obviously not going to necessarily pick him to break to break yeah. 43, basically. Um, but it'll be interesting with him and Norman and whoever else going at that. Um, Kipchoge is he just going to do it again? <laughs> just keep going. Uh, he's got another one. He said. Uh, uh, he's I said he's honored to be nominated as U20 email of the year. Uh, as I didn't know this was a category or something just made up last week. Guess we'll find out soon. No, it was just made up. Um, but that doesn't but preclude it from being a category. Yeah, I feel like, and and he is on the inside track. Last week, uh, sarcastically went on about Women's Athlete of the Year, how Shawnee Miller-Weber should have won. But the more I think about it, the matchup is closer than I thought. Miller had the world lead in the four. Bargain had the world lead in the triple jump. Miller was undefeated in the two and the four. Bargain was undefeated in the triple. Not quite sure about the long jump. Well, she lost. Uh, but she did pull the double at both Diamond League finals and Continental Cup. At this point, I would say they're tied. And break the tie, I would say the Miller's 400 time puts her ahead because it was the fastest time in a decade. For this week's challenge, I direct this at Kevin specifically. I challenge you, Kevin, to upload your runs on Strava so that my recent follow of you can be rewarded with seeing how much faster I am than you. Just kidding. I'm sure I'm not that much faster. It's a track season. I've been training for the four and the two. Best of luck to you from Thomas, the high school runner from York, Pennsylvania. Yes, I will start doing that. I've been very bad about that. Uh, I'm just bad in general with uh, 
any social media thing yeah i'm learning and strava is essentially a social media thing like i wear my watch on every run and i hit start and i hit stop at the end and i look at the numbers and i'm like okay cool and then i erase it and move on to the next day <laughs> i don't i don't feel obliged to share it with the world but i will start i will start doing that i'll start plugging it in i need to do that just to keep a log for my own sake because i have been running consistently now so i am sort of curious on what the amount of miles um are under my legs so don't have many left and we all can't be jerry rice kids <laughs> so all right we got the big one here from alex the former mediocre sprinter uh it's about wade van Nieker. it's about the world record in rio because he was there yeah uh let's jump into this it's gonna be long i'm like do you want to read this one Whew. i mean i'll i can try to start i might have to pass it off or something at some point you know okay. how fast i talk turn it down to 1.5 for a minute guys Go ahead. All right, I'm gonna take a sip of water. Yeah, here we that's go. Good. That's that's a pro, that's a pro. You know, right needs to be done. All right, gentlemen, I was unfortunately dethroned from my daily routine by the flu, and any thoughts of writing to you were replaced by thoughts of force feeding myself electrolytes and sweating out this terrible virus. Now that I have mostly recovered, I hope that you enjoy the story. It was August in the t- 2016th year of our Lord, and Alex, a former mediocre sprinter, and his friend Matt, himself a former mediocre hurdler sailed forth from Boston and Detroit, respectively, to the tropical, humid climates of Rio de Janeiro. Drink, maybe? Um, Alex and Matt arrived for this journey with the aim of taking in the culture of Rio and the spirit of the games. Their millennial wallets were being being thinner than a high school cross-country team. Their aspirations didn't go as far as taking in any of the feature events of of the Olympiad. Instead... They were to lie on some excuse me some suspicious back alley connections Matt had with men's volleyball and their natural <laughs> charisma air of poverty to beg for tickets to lesser events. See the image appropriately titled "Image One Four Five Nine for proof of the begging. <laughs> I like that it's appropriately titled. I'm I have not seen that photo yet, so I'm, I'm missing out here. Um, yet nigh had they alighted onto Brazilian soil. I didn't realize I was reading Shakespeare. I love this. Um, that they were besieged by the overwhelming desire to go to the premier event of the Olympic Games, the crown jewel of sporting events in 2016. So much for the savings accounts and responsible spending and paying for a return ticket. They had to see Usain Bolt run the 100-meter Olympic final the following evening. Though the tractor beam pulled eminently emanated primarily from the men's 100 the full billing of the evening session on the track would also include the men's 400 meter final women's triple jump final semifinals in both the women's 15 and the women's four spoiler felix over uh miller webo 4967 to 4991 in semifinal three and <laughs> and as if the two lads needed any more of an incentive to fork over a moderate portion of their life savings for tickets the qualifying round in the men's high jump <laughs> But how? Whenever they turned, tickets had sold out. For once in their young lives, uh, there was interest in a track and field event. In the ensuing <laughs> frenzy search for tickets, they brought their troubles in front of anyone who would listen. Read literally anyone with an earshot. Their world grew darker and darker as each person they beseeched anew spurned their advances with a frigid ignorance of the weight of their problems. Still, the fire in their young eyes burned bright enough for one young Frenchman in their hotel to tell the place where tickets were available that very morning. Sacre bleu! It's a bunch of French that I am not. I, 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 oui, esta la play. C'est la cité web olympique français. C'est magnifique. Que bon hill. Good <laughs> character work. Is. Um, as in every conflict, conflict in modern history and with global significance, the French hadn't backed down in the face of adversity and had persevered to come out the other side victorious. 
singing the praises of the nation of France, our two protagonists found themselves that night, that next night in seats uh, strategically procured in procured a few rows from the track itself on the backstretch by the 1500 meter start looking across at the finish line. After soaking up the thrilling action of the other events, it was time for the highlights of the evening. All joking aside, women's triple was amazing. And Katura Orji, who recently won the NCAA women of the year had pledged fealty to the Atlanta track club elite, barely missed a bronze medal in a then American record 14.71. A nation's hopes rode on machine merit, but is musical. Uh, musical physique and highly proportionate bone structure seemed capable of bearing the burden. He was facing off with Karani James, heretofore a young Grenadian rival and another wonderkin from South Africa with a growing reputation for both incredible speed and self-hospitalization. When looking at these two novices who combined had probably raced as many times in their lives as LaShawn Truck, Truck King Merritt had in their last two seasons, Alex saw ample opportunity for golden hardware for Uncle Sam's golden boy. Buoyed by confidence in Merritt's 19.7 in the semis at U.S. Champs. Fact check. Yeah, that's about right. Um, yeah. Alex prepared his lungs for a, world, a whirlwind of cheering. The ensuing race was historic. I want you to take over right there. Alex, summing all of his considerable mediocrity into a concentrated beam of American spirit, shouted himself hoarse on the backstretch as Merritt, America's last gladiator, flew by in lockstep with his competitors and was still hollering in a patriotism-induced stupor as they rounded the final turn onto the home stretch, waiting for Machine Merritt to unleash his quasi-legendary finishing speed. Disappointment ruled the moment as Merritt failed to make up ground. Sobering thoughts of ugly silver and bronze medals danced fleetingly through his... Alex's, but maybe also LaShawn's brain for most of the final stretch. Now, as the melancholy was beginning to set in, Alex watched as Wade VN started to pull away. Or was that Merritt slowing down? Strange. Then it was over. Alex glanced at the clock. 43.03. He looked back at the track to see where Merritt finished. Third. Boo. James had beaten him. 43.03. Oh, wait. 43.03? Others were finishing. 43.03. His vision is blurry. 43.03. Here's a quick timeline of the next two seconds. The fact that Wade Van Nieker has beaten MJ's record surfaces in Alex's conscious mind. Alex blacks out completely. Alex, blacked out, starts screeching and waving his arms like a wounded animal. Alex is violently thrust deep into his subconscious in a religious out-of-body experience. The announcer declares a world record. The stadium erupts in jubilation. Alex's metaphysical being resurfaces in his conscious mind. Alex becomes aware that he is jumping and shrieking like a CGI (laughs) T-Rex. Alex then slowly calmed himself into... What a functioning adult may recognize as a normal celebration, even though his body temperature remains sky high for the next four hours. He and Matt proceed to watch Usain Bolt win his third straight gold medal, an event that was oddly anticlimactic. Despite its historic significance, it was much more of an expected event than seeing Wade Van Niekerk break MJ's world uh, record. Drink for abbreviations. Also attached is a picture of Alex uh, and Matt trackside that night before they were catapulted into a state of extreme emotion by the races. uh, The end. Side note. On the nation of France, no one cheered more for their countrymen than they did when Lamont won a bronze medal in the 200 a few nights later. That kind of celebration for bronze is unthinkable in the U.S., leaving many fe- feeling warmly for the nation of France, including your humble narrator, Ale Le Bleu. And that is Alex, the former mediocre sprinter. Man. Super late nomination for email of the year. Absolutely. Ooh, wow. Fantastic. Well, well done. The, the, right, huh? the way you, I mean, the way you wrote that, the, the I mean, the fact that you got, I mean, obviously the, the main ticket. Yeah. Like he said was, Hey, we're going to see Usain Bolt race in, you know, the, presumably his last Olympics at the time. And then 
to see you know Wade Van Niekirk run that. Like I can't even imagine. But also, you, I felt like you captured the just how crazy it was when he says Van Niekirk a growing reputation for both incredible speed and self hospitalization. That's a I'm, I'm jealous of that line. Like, yeah, that's that, well done. That is a great line. As someone who uses words frequently to describe track races, that's that's well done. Yeah. I will I will tip my cap to you and say I can do no better, sir. Uh, well done. We'll close out with Timmy Two Shoes here. Which is the greater faux pas, putting water and ice into a milkshake or messing up a sub four attempt pacing duties by bringing the field through in 201 and bragging after the fact that you could have gone to 1,000 meters? <laughs> Okay, so I, I don't know. Not many people follow me on Twitter, which makes sense. Um, but I at J Help at J Help in twenty three. Um, I was at In and Out for lunch earlier today, and I saw a. I was waiting to get my drink, and this guy opens the lid to his milkshake container, and I would say it's three quarters of the way full with what appeared to be a, a vanilla milkshake, and he mm-hmm. goes to the ice machine, d- dumps I don't know five ish cubes in there and then tops it off with water and i was appalled i'll be honest i was not no, okay no, with what was happening yeah, you... like i i can't i can't come up with a scenario where that's okay yeah you can't you can't excuse that that's the easy answer here look bringing the field through in 201 i mean i've never tried to run sub four but i imagine going through a 201 is probably better than having someone go through at 155 when you're just like, then you're just totally screwed because you're gonna die. True, bragging. I would guess that you could have kept going though was uh, the mistake of the of the pacer more than the two hundred one. Depends the nature of the bragging. If you're just like, look, I mean, I was because being only off by a second, like, I guess they were probably trying to go through maybe like a one fifty eight five yeah. or one fifty nine. So yeah, maybe maybe that maybe they're off by a little more. Nonetheless, you can't. And you know, milkshakes are good. They're great. There's no reason to do that. And guess what? If, if you know, and okay, so sometimes a milkshake is very thick, and you know, maybe someone doesn't want wait ten minutes. It'll not be that thick anymore, and then you can do what you will. Don't water it down, and don't put ice. I then you're hardening it up, but so, then you're putting water into. This, I don't understand this person. Ice, I could see. So ice, if it was just ice, then I would go the other way. I mean, not that I would ever do it, but it's like okay, the milkshake's too warm, right? Like, and then you're gonna drink it fast anyway. So none of the ice, the ice won't melt that much. You can still get a decent experience. But water, yeah, yeah. Just get just don't get it. Just go buy milk at this or order milk from In and Out. Right? Yeah. Seriously, like that's <laughs> no literally yeah, no. You know, point if to I saw that. him get a little carton of milk that I presume In and Out sells to there, like from the thing, and then pour that in there to like smooth it out. All right, like, yeah. cool, I guess. But yeah, that's no. so weird. Made zero sense. That's a great spot to leave this show. Thank you to Timmy Two Shoes. Thank you to Alex, the former mediocre sprinter. Thank you to Thomas, the high school runner from York, Pennsylvania. Thank you to Steve and Dorset. Thank you to Cranston. Thank you to Aaron from Canada. Thank you to Laura. Thank you to Award from Belgium. Thank you to Julian. Thanks to Steel Town Runner, who's not even in the Steel Town anymore. Drink. But still repping hard. Uh, Justin from Denier, Joe P, Ray, Mike Z, Martin, formerly of Temple Fortune, now of Highbury. Thank you to Brian, emailer, formerly from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania. Thanks to Graham, Kyle, Derek, Mike, Aaron again, 
Sarah and Kyle. We really appreciate everybody writing in. Uh, we'll be back, like we said, next week for the for the end of year show. You can keep the emails coming, um, but we really appreciate you guys uh, contributing to the show. This was a lot of fun. This was fantastic. This this worked out even better than I hoped. I mean, you guys came through with so many great emails, um, good questions, mainly marathon based, but it was good. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure I stumbled through some answers because I did was not able to read all of them before we started this, but uh, I really really enjoyed this. Don't reveal the backstory. Well, you know, I mean, you're but, asking for questions today. Yeah, I wasn't able to, to fully catch up, but these were these were all great. Well, and it also this show prompted a really ridiculous argument between Jason and myself <laughs> over the difference in I don't even know what it was about football and basketball, like which. So so yeah, so be proud of yourselves, email. You are part of that. Um, but very excited. Uh, everybody, happy holidays, safe travels if you're moving around the country or internationally um, for uh, these holidays. We hope you guys uh, have a great time with friends, family, all that stuff. And we'll be back next week with our end of year award spectacular. Talk to you guys then. Jessica Ennis. Wait, basketball players are better athletes? Is that what I was arguing? No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>